Good morning. I'm Peggy. And just a minute. There we go. <laughs> I'm reading from the book of John, chapter 10, verses 17 through 18. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life, have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand is not a shepherd. He does not own the sheep. <clears throat> Sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and I, I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. This is the word of our Lord. You may be seated. All right. Thank you, Peggy. Good morning, everybody. It's, uh, it's great to see you here this morning. If um, you're, uh, you're new or, or I haven't gotten to me meet you yet, my name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson. And um, again, if you're new or you haven't ever heard me preach before, I always want to make sure people know I have a stutter, so it'll kind of come in and out as, uh, as I go here and just want to make sure that you all know what it is and, um, and uh, aren't caught off guard. So um, as was said earlier, today is... Um, what's referred to as Palm Sunday, and it's the beginning of Holy Week, and so we're going to be walking through that to some degree through our time in the scriptures this mo morning. Though we're not particularly in the passage that really walks through that, we're going to set the tone for our understanding of Jesus together. So hopefully every week that's kind of what you can expect here, but um, specifically this mo morning, that's what we'll be doing. But um, let's go ahead and pray. But before we do, um, turn with me to John chapter 10. All right, we'll be in verses 7 through 18 there together. And if you don't have a Bible with you, would you hold your hand up high and keep it up? And somebody will be sure to get you a copy of God's Word. Y en español, si quiere la Biblia y no tiene, por favor, levante su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene ninguna Biblia, eso es su regalo a usted. Y esta mañana estamos en Juan capítulo 10. And um, there, this again, if you don't own a Bible, please keep this, okay? It's our gift to you. We want to make sure everyone has a copy of 
God's word and can follow along and can read and understand who he is and why the gospel, which means good news, is very much uh, life-changing, applicable, life-shaping good news. So with that, let's go ahead and pray together and ask that God would reveal himself and open our eyes to who he is and what he's done and is doing. Heavenly Father, as we come in here this morning, we even know that one of our elders who is supposed to be a part of the service isn't able to be here because while he's okay and, and we're thankful for that, he was right near a, a horrible accident on the fr- freeway. And um, Lord, we're, we're reminded that the world is not the way it is supposed to be. That while sin hits home for us in a very real way in our own hearts, and whether we know it or not, our, our, our lives are, are informed and shaped by, by sin, by walking away from you, by rebelling against you. And then we're also just aware that things like traffic accidents and losses of jobs and relationships and um, all sorts of different things that we just have learned to accept as everyday life. Lord, our reminders, again, that the world is not the way it ought to be. And so, Lord, we thank you that that throughout this week, though every Sunday reminds us of the person and work of Jesus, Lord, this week in particular really sets us up for, 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 again, remembering and being shaped by and living out the life that you have come to, to bring us into. So we pray that through your spirit, our eyes would be opened, our hearts would be softened, or to receive the good news of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. So um, Holy Week, right, begins this week that has been celebrated and observed throughout the world for, for a long, a long time. And people have, um, have, 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 have celebrated and remembered and kind of paused to enter into a time where, again, individually in our own families and with the church at large, have, have entered into a time of considering Jesus. Who is he? What did he do? What, what does that mean? What is he doing right now, if anything? And, and I want to give, uh, give space and, and encourage us to even pause and consider that in our own lives, okay? In your own heart, in your relationships, what, what is the significance of Jesus? So as was said earlier in the service, and if you weren't in here yet, be on time next time. No, I'm just kidding. Um, then, you, you may, then you might be wondering, okay, why is there purple? What are the palm branches? You know, what are these things signify, well, Jesus um, did what's called the triumphal entry, and he, roll, and he rolled into town, into Jerusalem on a, on a cult, and, and these people laid down palm branches and all this stuff that signified royalty and triumph. And, and as Jesus came into town, he was at least the seventh in a long line of very similar triumphal entries. Right? We don't tend to know that or even think about that, that for some people, they were probably like, here we go again, get ready, right? Like the streets are about to be closed down because there's going to be another attempt at usurping the Roman rule that we have grown so accustomed to. Maybe this one will work, maybe not, right? Maybe Tiger will win this Sears Masters, maybe not, right? All right, who knows, right? I got my green on. Um, okay, it's my year. No, um, but... 
right? You don't know, like, what's going what's gonna to happen? You're just kind of sitting there. So while we picture and we now looking back on history engage and we, we remember and think about who is Jesus and, 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 and we picture this triumphal entry, like, finally, for a lot of people, it was like, again, okay, people misunderstood Jesus, and even as he came in triumphantly, the fact that he would go out, though now we know looking back triumphantly, by dying on the cross, to everyone there in that time, it was another sign of failure. And so again, as we anticipate and build toward the, 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 the events that took place on Good Friday, that again in that time to so many was awful Friday, was... was um, pathetic, shameful Friday. And then what we know took place on Sunday. Again, if we just take all these other things for granted, we can't fully enter into it. So right now, this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at who is Jesus. And this passage that was read earlier walks through this parable. Okay, a parable is kind of a picture, like a word picture to help you understand something. And while we picked up in verse 7... It's because there Jesus starts to explain what he's been saying. But before that, um, it's because people didn't know. He said almost the exact same thing. And people are like, what? So, so there's some sheep somewhere. And Jesus is like trying to break down. No, you're the sheep. And, right? and he, so he explains it. But he does this again to set the stage for who he is. Right? So this morning, what we'll see is that Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd. And this is how we're going to walk through it. We'll see that the good shepherd, Jesus, has sheep. Okay, that's us. That's his people that he protects, that he calls to himself, that he looks over. And this is his relationship with his people. It's that he is the good shepherd who protects and provides for his sheep. He's the good shepherd who calls his sheep. And he's the good shepherd who pursues his sheep. So with that in mind, with that kind of framework for us to walk through this morning. Let's go ahead and pick up in verse 7 where we look at Jesus, the good shepherd who protects and provides for his sheep. Okay, picking up in verses 7 through 10. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. All right, he refers to himself as the good shepherd. And it's understood in this time that there are different kinds of shepherds. All right? There are hired shepherds who aren't necessarily good shepherds. And we'll get into that some. There are shepherds that would, right, if you had a whole bunch, you would like for, for franchise, essentially. And you would hire some, some different shepherds to kind of look after parts of your flock. And, and those hired shepherds would be very different from the shepherd that actually um, presided over and looked after his own sheep, okay? So there are those kind of shepherds. There are wicked shepherds, and this would be fulfilling some Old Testament prophecies even that would talk about different shepherds that would come in that would be selfish, that would have their own agenda, that would be even abusive and harmful. And so Jesus is setting himself apart and saying, I'm the good shepherd. 
And some things that are true about me are meant to shape your life, to give you something to, 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 to build yourself upon, to build your life upon, to understand your relationship with, with God, with yourself, with others, based on who I am. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And he refers to himself, right? And, and then as he walks on now, he kind of describes what it means to be the good shepherd. So he protects his sheep, right? He refers to himself there in verse, both verse seven and verse nine. He says, I am the door. Okay, and this, this imagery of a door is that a, a sheep fold, if you will, like a, like a, like a pin in an um, area where sheep would be held would have a door and it wouldn't have multiple doors, right? Where you could kind of come in and out and people could sneak in and out all over the place. There would be one place and that's how you access what's in there. That's how you get fed. That's how you get protected. That's how you get provided for. It's by entering through the door. And now as Jesus talks about himself as the good shepherd, he, he says, listen, I'm the entry point. So not just I'm the doorkeeper, I'm the host or, you know, something like that. He kind of switches gears here and now says, I'm actually the way in. Okay, right from the start here, Jesus, in, 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 in chapter 14, later, he would describe this more about what it means that he is the door. He refers to himself as the way, the truth, and the life says, no one comes to the Father but through me, in John chapter 14, verse 6. The way, though this isn't necessarily popular in our day, Jesus is the door. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the only way. And he doesn't do this to have some kind of hierarchical view like some of us tend to walk through or like people relate with in this day, like, oh, right, so your way is the only way. You're a bigot. You're kind of this. You think you're the only one who has the truth and things like that. Sadly, this gets used that way. But that's not Jesus' heart. Jesus is referring to himself as, as, as the door, as the only way into relationship with the Father, into restoration in light of who God created us to be, because A, he knows that's the truth. Okay, he doesn't just, he doesn't want to um, kind of appease our longings, our desires for some other way if ultimately it's going to fall short, right? Like if someone says, hey, is there any other way to go about this, right? If, um, I, I, as I look here, there are a number of de doctors in our church, which I'll just admit gives me a little bit of peace and comfort, um, you know, preaching and whatever's going to go down. I just know that's, there's help. Um, Right, but you, you, if, if a doctor, a good doctor was talking with someone and someone's like, and you get diagnosed with some kind of an illness or some kind of a, of a break or something like that, or, um, and, and right, uh, though a nice doctor might want to say, yeah, just, just get some more rest, um, keep, you know, smoking, eating whatever you want, do whatever, and you'll be fine, right? It's like, no, no. Right? That might be a nice doctor, but not necessarily a good doctor. Right? A good doctor is going to look at you and say, hey, you can make your own decisions, but this is what's going to lead to health and recovery. This path won't. Right? That's just, that's, it's sometimes to be good is to be truthful. It's to not just give the easiest way, but to, in this case, give the only way. And there's something else here is that Jesus is the protector. It's not only because he wants to be mean and wants to kind of keep some out, right? Like he's a bouncer or something like that. But it's because he, he has a whole plan and understands that, again, as we've walked through already this morning, sin has affected and infected everything and that he cares so much about the, the full breadth of his creation and about his people that he's calling back to himself and that he loves. And again, if you have put your trust in Jesus, 
Jesus, or perhaps you have not yet, and today you're hearing about Jesus and what it would mean to give your, your life to him, it's because he loves you so much and cares for you so much that he protects those who are his own. Um, there's a book, I'm not going to get too into all of it, and there's a book that I've re- read over the last couple of weeks that's written by a pastor who's now at Redemption Tempe named Josh Boom Butler, and it's called Skeletons in God's Closet. And he talks about some really hard issues, and one of them is hell. And as he talks about hell and this idea of some being here, of God's people being here with God and others not, and he, he talks about God's radical love being so great that he, that he removes anything that could harm his people and what he has designed and called and now come to reconcile and restore, that, that he cares too much to let anything that would, that would, that would compromise that be, be kept in there. There's a protective element about it, not just a kind of mean torture. But again, right, if we, if we kind of look at it differently, we understand that he cares so much that there's a protective element. And as Josh Butler goes on, he talks about it's not just the boogeyman out there, right, like all the cultural things that we want to keep our kids safe from and whatever, you know, which good luck, right? It's better to help lead them to how to navigate these things and trust in Jesus and rely on his spirit, right, in those things. Um, and, and, right, I'm a, I'm a parent, got my son in here this morning, so I'm thinking through these things a lot. Well, God's heart for us is to, is to protect us. And so when, when, he, when he does that, it's, um, it's, it, it includes not just stuff out there, but stuff in here as well. Okay, again, he, he doesn't just want to protect you from everything and everyone else. He wants to protect you from you. So when Jesus refers to himself as the door, it's because he's the good shepherd. It's because he doesn't just want to be nice and appease us. It's because he wants you to understand, listen, you can't rely on your own way. That's a bridge that will collapse. The only way is Jesus, the good shepherd. And he's not just a good shepherd who protects and then everything in there is kind of painful and difficult. He's the good shepherd who provides as well. And so as he goes on and he talks about this stuff, about who he is and all these things he's doing, he says, um, again, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, we're in verse nine right now, he will be saved. Okay, so sometimes we just stop there. Okay, I'll get saved. I got to get out of hell free card. It'll be, okay, I've got that. Now I'm just going to endure and eat like gruel and one day going to kind of float around as an ethereal spirit. And it doesn't sound that good, but I guess it's good because it's in the Bible and Jesus says he's good. And okay, but at least I'm not going to hell, right? And we look at it through this way, these distorted in church history, right? medieval imagery that we've just kind of adopted and taken in here. And what it, it does is we settle. We, we, we see Jesus as something and someone other than who he actually is and what he's actually doing. He's come because he's the good shepherd who provides. The, 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 the language used throughout the New Testament is the good life. Right there in verse 10, right, he says, The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life, and it doesn't end there, and have it abundantly. He provides lavishly. This imagery, even in verse 9 there, where he says that those whom he saved will go in and out and find pasture. It's this idea of abundance, of plenty, of coming in and feasting and then going out and being told, come back, right? Like I told a story a couple weeks ago about me like stealing frozen pizzas when I was a kid and stuff, right? And 
Well, some of that's because it's like, is there going to be more? Is this going to be the like, just load up now, right? Feast up on those pizzas because you don't know if you're going to eat again in the next couple of days. Well, Jesus talks about his provision is so, so sufficient and so far reaching that, that his sheep can go in and out and can just, can just graze and, and delight and rejoice because he provides not just in part, but abundantly. This is the same idea in the Beatitudes in Matthew when Jesus is talking about our, he says like, you have heard this, but I tell you this. You have heard this, but I tell you this. And before that, when he starts out, he says blessed. He uses this word blessed. And that um, word blessed is so full and so rich, okay? And we need to understand that how much the Christian life, like when we say all of life is all for Jesus, Right, you've probably seen that slogan around in shirts and things like that, and it's good. It's because it's it's full life, rich life. Again, here abundant life, life that that is is in full, that that ultimately and deeply satisfies. It's not just oh, kind of take this and then and then move on from there. Um, I got to spend last week. I got to spend a couple days with some imams from mosques and r- r- rabbis. Right? I know it sounds like a joke, right? The imam, rabbi, and pastor walked into a bar. No, it wouldn't be a bar because Muslims don't drink. Okay, so you didn't know that. No, but we got to hang out and we all got to trade jokes or whatever. But. It was incredible. We spent time together, um, and we call it multi-faith, not interfaith. Kind of the joke, again, that is thrown around. Some of you might not like this, but we were saying it to each other was, I love you, and I think you're going to hell. And you love me, and you think I'm going to hell. And it's this idea because we're not, like, we're not embracing this idea of, oh, it all leads to the same way, right? Every path. No, we believe that Jesus says he's the only way. It would be unloving to just pretend like, oh yeah, but as long as you're a good person or you're cool, it's great. That said, we tend to live in fear and think, oh, I could have no relationship with, with any mom, with a rabbi. And as we press in though to Jesus and we are called to love our neighbor, we need to know our neighbor. And our context, right, we need to be honest and recognize that us, particularly as Christians, in some cases need to protect our neighbors who are often so misunderstood. And in order to do that, we need to know them. Right? We need to have a relationship with them. We need to have their phone number so we can call them and go and, and meet with them and pray for them, yes, in Jesus' name, when they experience a tragedy like the Muslim community did about a month ago. Right? We need to be in relationship. And they have this idea that in both cases, you may have heard that we'll say shalom in the Jewish faith or salem in the Muslim faith, right? Shalom Aleikum means like peace be upon you or peace be with you. And then shalom means peace. And then our version, like hippie America, got like peace. It's this kind of weird idea, whatever. But we've talked about before, peace is a, is a rich, full idea. And in short, it's the world as it ought to be. In this case, in this idea, under the care of the good shepherd. So he comes to protect and to provide And it's a full, rich, peaceful, far-reaching kind of provision. And then in this last part of his protection and his provision, we're going to read a few verses here, which we'll come back to. We're just going to pour over some same verses. We look at the good shepherd, unlike hired help, he lays down his own life. He says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then um, down in verse 15, just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep 
that are not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Again, a hired hand wouldn't do that, right? Like if you've ever been entrusted to something, right? If someone ever said, hey, watch my whatever it is. I don't know. For some reason, I want to say dog, right? Um, Watch my dog. And you're like, all right, cool. Which I don't know if anyone ever does that or says that, right? Outside Circle K or whatever. All right, cool. I'll watch your dog real quick. Which nowadays, you can just bring your dog wherever you want, I guess. Airplanes, whatever. Um, (laughs) But sorry, I got issues. Um, (laughs) You guys in my community know my relationship with my dog. It's... um, (laughs) It's, uh, it's, it's in process, but right. Okay, cool. I'll watch that. Well, right. If it's someone else's and, and like stuff gets real, you're less likely to like pick up the dog and carry it and go protect it. Right. You're more like, like, all right, just take off. Right. Like you're uh, someone, I don't even know whose dog this is. I don't know. I'm out. I'm going, you know, well, no, if it's yours, whatever it is, again, I don't know why my mind went to dog. Maybe the Holy Spirit's convicting me right now, but, um, <laughs> Right? You're, you're, you, you care for what's yours. Well, Jesus does that to the ultimate degree by laying down his own life. A, a, a hired help, someone who's just, again, sometimes our view of God is so far off that it's like, well, he's there. He's kind of dealing with things. No, he's incarnate. He's con carne, right? With flesh on. He gets in it, in the mess, even to the point of laying down his own life of death, of dying on the cross. We see that up there, but again, there's royalty because he can do it. He decides to do it. He is king. He rules over all, yet he chooses to lay down his life because his sheep are his own, because he provides fully all the way to the end. And another theme that we've hit on a couple times throughout this series is we're in the last couple days of loved walked among, among us is that his love endures to the end. All right, hear me right now. Look at me. I just want to recognize some of us are so used to broken promises. We've had family members that left. We've seen vows exchanged that weren't upheld. We've grown so accustomed to a society and a world where it's like, yeah, we'll see. And even if we don't acknowledge it, it's in the back of our mind. It's, it's, the, it's the way we operate is with a skepticism, with a kind of, we'll see. Again, that same idea of Jesus triumphantly entering and some being like, well, we'll see. Right? But his love is so full that it endures to the end. And he proves that on the cross. He proves that when he raises from the dead. But again, right now we need to sit in this place, not just hurry ahead, but recognize our skepticism. Recognize the sin and the brokenness that we've grown so used to, and yet still in that see that Jesus says, come to me, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his own. And then next, he calls. In verses 8 and then verse 14, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. 
The sheep there, this idea is his sheep, the, the true sheep, the ones who are his own. They didn't listen to lies, to deceit, to trickery, to manipulation. The, the sheep that belong to the good shepherd, they recognize his voice. He goes on in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. So again, in this day, let me just explain going back to agriculture, which again, if you know me, is not my wheelhouse at all. Um, but in this day, what would happen, right, is you would go, you would like go to the, uh, you would go into town. If you were a shepherd, right, you're used to being out in the wilderness and you needed provisions of all different kinds. And you would come into town and you would drop your sheep off at Little Sheep Daycare, right? And then um, you'd be given a tag, just like we were, you know, and you'd come back, you'd check your sheep out. Well, it wasn't quite like that. For, I also go to the bowling alley is what I go to in my mind because I remember getting checked into the little kid daycare. I don't even know if they have that anymore, but I remember being in Smokefield daycares at bowling alleys, and I'm pretty sure there it was like moms and dads would check their kids in and then check them back out of the bowl. Anyone else with me in that? Or I don't know if that was just a thing from where I grew up. But, well, shepherds did the same thing. And um, they would go and check in their sheep and then check them back out, right? But it was not in this way where you had a tag or a scanner or something like that. It was the fact that, that, that you were so intimately connected to your sheep. You'd spent hours and days and weeks upon weeks with your sheep. You began to smell like your sheep, perhaps look like them. I don't, you know, but they knew you. They knew your voice. And again, if you were their caregiver, unlike just some hired shepherd, they knew your voice. And when you came and called and whistled and whatever it was that brought them, they would know and recognize you. And so when Jesus refers to himself, he says, listen, my sheep know my voice. I'm the good shepherd. I don't just come and just, you know, now sheep that are dumb, which right, will just kind of follow anything, whatever. Oh, that looks nice. That one, you know, has some food. I'll just go after that one, whatever I'll do. But no, the good shepherd is one who has such a relationship with his sheep that they know him and that he knows them and he calls them and they follow. And I just want to ask, do you know Jesus's voice? Again, if you've put your faith in him, you've put your trust in him, I don't want to pretend like we don't still get deceived into believing other voices. I don't want to pretend it and not recognize that most of us in this room probably struggle to discern God's voice from the voice of the accuser, from other voices, voices in the world around us. We're all getting sold some version of good news, right? The gospel... It, there's the gospel and capitals, the good news of Jesus. And then we need to recognize we are sold and tempted with a million gospels, right? All kinds of versions of this will get you the life you've wanted. This will get you the, the identity you're, you're clinging to. This will provide, right? Commercial after commercial, everything, whatever it is. We're getting sold different versions of the gospel. And in many cases, we believe those. Right? Sometimes whole with our minds and our thoughts and our, we, go, we know we're going all in, but often case, it's because it seems so close. It seems so good. Well, is that right? Is that good? Is that trustworthy or not? Right? We follow the good shepherd when we know his voice. There are other voices, seductive voices, accusatory voices, shameful voices, deceiving voices, Ultimately, 
We know the voice of the good shepherd through his word. His word is the Bible. We know him by reading his Bible. All right, I, I mentioned some of my own childhood. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I still to this day remember the first time I ever heard the word or the phrase quiet t- time. And I remember being there and all these people in like youth group kept saying quiet time is having my quiet time. I was like, what is that? Like time out? Like I've been there a lot, but I don't know. I don't, I don't have the same sing-songy voice when I talk about it that you do. You know, it's, um, I don't get it. And it, it was these phrases that, let's just be real here, Christian culture can be really weird. And, right? And, and I want you to, if you're not a part of that or you're new, you're kind of testing this out, I want you to hear that said from here. And it's okay if you feel that and even say that. It's also not something that we should necessarily be ashamed of, but just should recognize Right, So when we talk about quiet time, it's not just something that you check off. It's not something that, that sets you apart from others or whatever. It, what it is, it's, it's being in such a relationship with the good shepherd that his voice becomes clearer and clearer to you. And so you and I recognize that we are so tempted with other voices, with other good newses, with other gospels that are, that are calling out to us that, that we understand, no, there's, there's one way in and out and that way has a, has a clear and distinct voice and he's calling us, and, and I want to know that voice. And again, it's recognizing how quick and easy it is for us to, to believe other voices. And again, often I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm deeply burdened of how many of us have just accepted the message of other voices. Again, I, I mentioned shame and accusation. You're not enough. You, 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 you'll never be over that, whatever that is, right? I, I forgive, but I sure as heck don't forget, right? You're, what, what you've made your bed, now you, can, you have to sleep in it. These, um, there's no hope. There's whatever it is, and we can just sit there and wallow in that and live our lives in light of that. And thankfully, in God's good grace, there are, there are professionals who can help us walk through those things. There is, there's m- m- medicine as part of God's common grace that he's given us that is good, and we should, if we've been diagnosed, we should take those things and not see it as, as, as being against or in competition with the gospel or anything like that. Amen. And we also need to understand that, that there are things that we need to be in community with one another where we remind each other, that doesn't sound like God's voice to me. That, that doesn't sound like the good shepherd. Um, that sounds like, like a deceiver. And we need to be close enough to one another, humble enough, vulnerable enough, safe enough all right, I just want to say real quick, it's not always on the person struggling to be the, the, sometimes we need to recognize, how am I not a safe person? Do I just throw out these platitudes? Do I give you two verses and say, call me in the morning, and, and in so doing, not provide a safe environment for someone to, to recognize where they've been discerning um, or not discerning the voice of the good shepherd and the multitude of other voices that we're inundated with? As a church, we uh, long for what here we call a soul care 
ministry. It's um, Alhambra, Hampshire and Alhambra calls it a cares ministry. And they have these people that lead over it and preside over. And then there are different groups where those people that lead in those groups get training and accountability and and they're encouraged and they need to understand the voice of the good shepherd and what that looks like. And then there are different groups that walk through various aspects of brokenness and, and struggle and difficulty and pain. Sins to be repented of and sins, sins against to be grieved over and these kinds of things and, and, and all of that to be done in such a way that we need to be able to hear the voice of the good shepherd. And that kind of ministry, if our church would be so blessed by, by, by God to have, to have here that would care for people that ultimately would help people connect with the good shepherd because the good shepherd calls his sheep and they recognize his voice. And then ultimately, lastly here, the good shepherd pursues. Let's um, go back to verse 16 and read here at the end of this passage. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. That verse 17 and 18, guys, that's the Easter story. That's what we're preparing for. That's what we're in intentionally entering into this this Holy Week season as we recognize that the cross that Jesus hung, shameful, naked, seemingly defeated, the opposite of triumphant, right? One week before or less than a week before as he came in, it seemed, right? Oh, he's all this pomp and circumstance and now you're doing that? It's because the good shepherd has all authority and all power and he chooses to lay down his life. And Easter Sunday is coming. He also has the authority to take it up again. Amen? That's the good news. That's the best news. That's the reality. What someone said earlier, I think, in the beginning, that this is arguably, we, I would, we could take away the arguably. This is the most history, life, individual, communal, shaping, good news the most important, the, the, the turning point in all of human history is this, the death and resurrection of Jesus. Amen? And then in verse 16, he says that he has others that are not of this fold. In this context, he's specifically referring to Gentiles who the Jewish community he was around just assumed had no hope. They were, they were lost. They had like, let's just kind of forget about them. Let's just protect our own. Let's have a holy huddle here and God will deal with them or whatever, or we'll deal with them through that triumphant entry and the swords and all the stuff we have planned, right? That stuff. But this is about us. And Jesus says, no, no, no. The good shepherd has more who he's calling into his flock, more that belong to him, more who will hear and respond to his name. And so church, as we close this morning, I want us to recognize where we are, the reality of where we are. As Christina read earlier, Isaiah 53 says, all we like sheep have gone astray, each one to his own way. First and foremost, that's the story. That's a part of the story for every single one of us in this room this morning. All of us have sinned 
have rebelled, have committed holy treason against God and said, not your way, my way, not your glory, my glory, not your provision, my own provision, not your assurance of safety, my own assurance of safety. And yet on him, God has laid the iniquity of us all. So first and foremost, this story, this reality of the good shepherd who protects and provides and calls and pursues, that's true of you and me. Let us never grow weary of hearing that. Let us never take that for granted. Let us, as we sing songs, as we prepare to take communion, let us remember the good shepherd's radical love, his gentle voice, his fierce protection and fierce pursuit and generous provision for you. And then from there, let us recognize that in his design, he's pursuing others and he's chosen to use you and me to do it, right? We've used the definition here before of evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. It could also be said that it's one sheep telling other sheep about the good shepherd and the pasture that he is providing. And so as we prepare to go out from here after we sing and we respond in the different ways that we will, let's also recognize that part of our going out, that part of this Holy Week is that God has chosen, desires to use you and me to be the ones through, which, through whom he pursues more of his sheep. Guys, I don't know your story. Briefly, mine is this. The people that led me to Jesus have no idea, as far as I know, that that's the way God pursued my heart. I was a little five-year-old kid sitting on the floor of a Pentecostal church in a high school cafeteria in El Cajon, California, sitting on the floor while my mom and older brother were off getting prayed for, and God used two adults having a conversation, one adult sharing the gospel with another. And in God's craziness, he used that moment to pursue my heart, to call me to faith in him so I could do no other than to respond. We say here that, 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 that life is naturally supernatural, all right, that we go about the Lord's work and the Lord's way. We don't know what he's going to do. We don't know what he's got in store, but by his goodness, he's chosen to allow us to be a part of it. So this might seem like a, like a, like a jolt right now, but when, as we close, I'm going to pray in about 90 seconds, but I want to give us some time to pray and ask, God, who might you be pursuing that you want to use me to invite that you might want to use me to tell my story of your goodness. Lord, who, who might you want me to, 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 to push through all the awkwardness to just simply ask, hey, what's your story? What, what, what do you think? Is this, this week's going on? What's your experience with church, with Easter? Right? It can, we, we fumble and stumble through it, and yet the good shepherd somehow uses us to pursue his people that he's calling to himself. So let's pause and take a moment right now and pray and ask God who he might have on our hearts for us to talk to. And then I'll close us in a few moments.
Let me encourage you now as we, um, as we go before God in prayer that whoever you put on your heart, that perhaps you're with your family, there's another family member, there's a neighbor, there's a roommate, a friend, a coworker. Go and um, don't hurry out of this time. You can, um, you know, invite others to pray with you. Um, let's slow down. Let's listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd and consider his work for us and then the work he has called us to be a part of that he's doing through us. So, Lord, we do come before you, and we recognize we, it's crazy, 90 seconds seems so short when we're in a hurry to get somewhere, when we're doing something that we just want to do and it's easy, but, man, when we stop and slow down to hear from you, to pray, it seems long. It can even seem awkward. And as we, again, now continue through this holy week, Lord, I do pray that we will slow down. I pray that you will slow us down. Lord, we pray for those that through your spirit you put on our hearts. Lord, who are family members, coworkers, neighbors that may never hear the gospel? I don't know what my story would be. I don't know what our story collectively as a church would be if that faithful adult who I have no idea who it was didn't simply share the gospel in such a way that you open my heart to hear it and to respond. Lord, I pray that every one of us this morning would enter into our own story, that we would recognize your pursuit of us. Lord, that Good Friday and Easter, that Maundy Thursday when you are arrested right after washing your disciples' feet, Lord, that we would enter into those things, that we would, Lord, that we would recognize your goodness toward us. And then from there, Lord, we also pray that you would give us spirit empowerment, boldness, Lord, to simply share the goodness of the shepherd who protects and provides and calls and pursues. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.